Hello, 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 hello. What's going on, everybody? This is Sydney Smith, the host of this incredible podcast, The Real Queen Sid. And I'm super, super excited to be sharing with you guys today a recording from a training that I did last night. So I was actually asked to be a guest speaker on a uh, Side Sisters team. And this was this training was so good. I had to share it with you guys. So, so freaking excited. And first, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys the review of the day. And this one says, uh, it's from Two Rabbits One. It says, you're a bad mama jamma. Listen to a few episodes. Appreciate your mind and drive. It's inspiring to see continuously. So thank you so much for that review. If you guys have not been following along over the past few podcasts, uh, we are trying to get to 55 star reviews. So as soon as we get to 55 star reviews, I'll be giving away $100. All you have to do to get entered is go ahead, leave a five-star review on iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts, and make sure that you leave a love note. Now, I want to emphasize that is not to stroke my ego, that is not to make me feel good or anything like that. It's just I can't see the reviews that y'all leave that do not have love notes attached to them. So make sure that you guys leave a love note so that I can make sure you get entered in the giveaway for $100 cold hard cash money. Super excited. So without further ado, I'm just going to go ahead and get right into this. Uh, this pot or this training felt so good. And I was like, I need the recording. I have to share this with everybody. Um, so I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as the team did. And let's go, go, go. So um, I am super, super grateful because they asked me to come on tonight and train about authenticity, which I think is one of my favorite things to talk about because my dogs are going psycho today. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to talk about because I don't think we have enough of it in this world. And I think that it's a really, really scary concept. And so I am going to just go, go, go. Right. And so we, I think that like, we try to listen to all of the champs or we try to listen to all the trainings and we're like, okay, yeah, let me, let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. And when you listen to trainings, right, like you want to pick up habits but instead of picking up habits we start to pick up personality traits right and i don't know if you guys saw but i went live in the empire earlier and i talked about when i started this industry or when i started this business with prove it uh 34 months ago i thought i had to be keto and i thought that i was only going to be successful if i was keto so i tried keto for a little while and i was like this sucks i hate it I don't want to do it. I like pizza. I like ice cream. Holly's probably on here and she knows that I eat ice cream literally daily. And so I, I just, I, I don't want to. The only time I was keto was when Brittany Anderson challenged me for 30 days to be keto and I am very competitive. So I was like, okay, I will do it for 30 days. And then when 31 day came around, I was like, all right, where's the ice cream? I got to find it. If you don't know, I break my reboots with cookies. Okay. Like I just, I'm not keto, I'm not made for it, but I thought I had to be. And so um, after I decided to not be keto, I kept pretending like I was. And I would make keto kitchens and then throw the food out because I thought it was gross. And I would do uh, keto recipe posts and I would do keto tips and all of these things and make it sound like I was keto and I wasn't. And it felt so gross right? Like it felt so gross to me. And Bree said this quote this weekend, actually, she said, I was creating, not me specifically, but I was creating from a place of desperation, not inspiration, right? I was desperate for customers. I was desperate for growth. I was desperate to make it big in this business. And because I was so desperate, I was willing to lie, cheat, steal, and not in the way that Jesse Lee talks about, right? Like I was willing to do anything 
including be fake. And it was so hard on my heart. Like, oh, I am, you guys know color personalities. I am a blazing orange. I am red, 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 super competitive, which is why I was driven to win. Um, but I'm also super yellow. And my heart is so tender for people. And so it really felt gross to be lying to people. And so one day, I think it was, I don't know, maybe a year and a half ago, I literally put on my, on my Facebook, I said, I've been lying to you guys. I have a confession. I'm not keto. I've been lying. And this is really scary for me to do. Right. And that was like a step of vulnerability for me. And I think that's one of the biggest things that you need to remember with authenticity is being authentic is being vulnerable and putting yourself out there and waiting for the ridicule and waiting for people to kind of knock you down a level and then kind of realizing that people don't, right? Like sometimes you're going to get the haters, you're going to get the trolls, but the things that feel really scary and the, the authenticity that feels really, really scary, like you're going to get some nasty backlash, it's never as scary when you actually do it. When I made that post, Everybody was like, oh my God, thank God, you're not a robot, holy crap, she has flaws, right? And so I started to really get authentic and really, I started to make it part of my brand, like I am Cheeto. And I know that Brie talks about this, but like I am Cheeto. And by that, I mean, I do not eat keto, but I am always in ketosis because I drink my ketones twice a day, right? Like I am Cheeto to the T. To the and so that was just a little a little turning point of authenticity for me. But I think that being authentic has been my biggest brand builder for my entire life. And I said this to Megan over the weekend. I said, she said, it's so crazy because you give off this personality of like, I don't give a damn what people think about me. And I don't, I never have, I never will. I've always been loud. I've always been really in your face. But I said, I said to her, I said, Megan, I'm a lesbian addict. I don't have a choice. I have to, I have to. And she said, but so many people don't like so many people live in this, this little box. Right. And I've made a couple of posts about this, but like society gives us this box to fit in. Right. And you think like, I wasn't going to be able to hide that I was loud. So I made my sexuality smaller and I made my personality smaller and I made like little things in my life smaller so that like my voice could be loud. And like that would take up most of the room in the box. And then I just had to like fit everything else in. Right. And so we start trying to fit in this tiny little box that society gives us. And you start to like, it's almost like the, the energy of like needing to, to escape, like starts rippling under your skin. And I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but like, it felt like I was being so contained in this little box that I just, I couldn't do anything. I was like paralyzed. Right. And so I wanted to be so perfect all the time. And I wanted to, I was so, I wasn't operating from a place of inspiration. Right. And so when I started to kind of release those, those holds that I had let society have on me, everything started to flourish. And I did a, I did a podcast interview a couple days ago and, um, she said to me, she had like, listened to my whole story. And she said, she's like, you really have life figured out. Don't you like, you just, you don't give a damn about what anybody thinks. And I was like, I just realized that like, she said, how, how did you know that coming and being authentic was what you needed to do? And I said, I'm really lucky because I run a business. 
and a business and the business success is really tangible evidence of what people want, right? I saw that every time I let a little bit of myself out, I let a little bit of that box, I let a little bit spill out of that box, my business grew, right? And so I think back to when we started with Prove It, I told people that I had a drug problem and that I was a bad kid. It wasn't until I think four months into Prove It, I started accepting the word addict because there's such a negative connotation towards addict, right? But as soon as I accepted the word addict and as soon as I started talking about my recovery and as soon as I started being really open and honest with, with it, we went from rank four to rank six in one month. We never hit rank five. I don't know what, rank five who? I don't know who that is. We didn't hit it. But as soon as I opened up, it was like everybody was like, holy crap. This girl is deeper than the keto kitchens that she's been faking, right? And so your energy gives everything away about you. It's like something that you need to understand is if you're trying to fit in this tiny little box, if you're trying to be this person, if you're trying to adapt the personality of the champ that you admire rather than picking up the habits that they have, then your energy will give you away, right? And so I think back to when I moved to Texas um, and everybody was like, oh, you got that Texas glow. Oh, and the sunshine is doing great for you. And like, yes, I had a Texas glow. Yes, the Texas sun hits different. Yes, I love Texas here. But what else happened in that time? I left a really abusive, narcissistic relationship. I came out. I was around people that supported me. And I, for the first time in my entire life, was living authentically as myself. And I think a lot of you guys probably have a secret that you, that you don't want to talk about, right? Like an imperfection. Maybe I don't, for me, it's addiction. And for me, it used to be, you know, that I was gay. And this secret, you carry it around and you're like so worried that somebody's going to figure it out, right? And so you like tiptoe around everything and you, you don't say the, you don't want to say the wrong thing and you don't want to, you know, it's just, it's heavy on your heart, whether you realize it or not. And you're so worried about people finding out your secret that people can see that. Right. And so as soon as I was free, as soon as I let it all go, as soon as I was really authentic to who I was and, and really let <laughs> pun intended, as soon as I came out of the closet, <laughs> like as soon as I let all of that go, I glowed different, right? And people want to be around me and people want to get to know me. And people are like, I don't know what it is about you, but I am so drawn to you, right? You think of Jessie Lee, for example, you are so drawn to her. And why is that? It's because she does not give a damn what you think. She is powerful. She is very assertive. She is sure of who she is. And she's very like, she's human, but she's, she's everything thing that she wants to be, right? And so your energy gives it away. And so I kind of, when Megan said to me, she's like, not everybody knows how to do that. Like, yeah, you are these, I mean, those are some bold labels. I'm a lesbian addict. That is a bold label. And I know Naisha Berry is on here somewhere and she can feel that, right? Like I, it's a bold label. It's really, really uncomfortable. So how do you get to that point where like you're comfortable with letting it out? And I think the first thing that you have to do is you have to realize that the healing starts within, right? A lot of us are so incapable of uh, self-growth and of, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like just being 
self-realization. What is the word I'm looking for? It doesn't matter. The point is some of us are so incapable of it because you're so blocked up with anger for the people that hurt you or anger for the trauma that you've been through or pain from the trauma that you've been through. Right. And when you are constantly thinking about that anger and that pain, there's no room for you to figure out who the hell you are. Right. I'm staring at myself, which is really awkward. Cause I want to like, I want to call on you guys. Like who is Boyd? Who is Naisha? Who is Angelique? Who is Julie? Like, who are you? And you can't figure that out when you're all blocked up with this pain and this trauma and this, this, heaviness. So the first thing that you have to do is you need to learn about forgiveness. And so the first person you need to forgive is yourself. And that sounds really, really uncomfortable. Forgive yourself for the traumas that you've been through. Forgive yourself for allowing those things to happen to you. Forgive yourself for hiding who you authentically are. Forgive yourself for denying yourself. I read this book, it's called Untamed. And if you're struggling with like unleashing yourself, you really, you should read it. Um, But she talks about like, you literally are denying yourself. You're literally betraying yourself when you decide to not be who you are. And so the healing has to start with, with forgiving yourself first. Like forgive yourself for betraying yourself. Forgive yourself for, you know, I stayed in a, I'll give you an example. I stayed in a five-year relationship that I knew was hurting me, that I knew was blocking off part of who I was, that I knew was betraying myself. And when I left that relationship, the first thing I had to do was forgive myself. Forgive myself for not leaving sooner. Forgive myself for not seeing the signs sooner. Forgiving, forgive myself for, you know, keeping myself boxed up. Once you forgive yourself, then the next step is to forgive the person that hurt you. And that is what's really hard for people because you're like, oh, I don't want to condone their behavior. And so another thing that the girl said to me when I did an interview on the podcast the other day, she said, um, I was talking about my ex, the five-year relationship, and he was a narcissist. It It was an awful relationship. But she said, you speak very fondly of him. Like there is a fondness in your voice for him. And I said, yeah, for sure. And she said, you speak very fondly of everybody that's ever hurt you. And I said, yeah, for sure. She said, why? And I said, because I forgave them, right? I forgave them because I realized that holding on to that pain was only hurting me. Holding on to that pain was only blocking my authentic self. Holding on to that pain was only, was only hurting me. They didn't care. He didn't care. He's a narcissist. He don't care. <laughs> it's not hurting him. It was only hurting me. And she said, okay. And I said, and then you move into, once you forgive people, you move into that final step where you make space for gratitude, which is why I speak so fondly of everybody that's ever hurt me is because I'm so grateful for them. I am so grateful for my dad not wanting to be my dad. I'm so grateful that the one man that was supposed to love me doesn't. So grateful. I'm so grateful for that five-year narcissistic relationship because it taught me what I want in a relationship. It taught me to value myself. It taught me to put myself first. It taught me so many things. I am so grateful for my addiction because I get to help people walk through it. I am so grateful that I was born gay because as hard as it is to deal with homophobes, homophobes, that's such a funny word. Anyway, as hard as it is to deal with them, I am so grateful because I have the tough skin to fight, like to deal with it and to help other people walk through it. Right. I came out at 25 years old. It's not easy. It's not easy. 
like freaking 14 and then there's, you know, there's 40, 50 year olds, 60 year olds that are coming out now, but like, it's not easy. Especially when everything I've ever known got flipped and turned upside down. It's not easy, but I have the space, the gratitude for it. Right. So give yourself gratitude for it because once you, once you're able to have gratitude for all the situations, like I, I mentioned my dad, I'm so grateful that my dad chose not to love me because I know how to love people. I know how to love people the way that they deserve to be loved because somebody did not love me correctly. Right. So once you have that space open for that gratitude, you start to learn who you are and you start to learn what you stand for. And if you want to build a big business, if you want to, to make an impact, if you want to leave a legacy, you need to know who you are and you need to be damn certain in who that is. Because if you can't, if you can't stand they say it all the time. If you can't stand for something, you fall for anything or something like that. Right. You need to be damn certain in who you are and be so unapologetic about it because not only is it good for you, not only is it good for your business, but people crave that people want to be around people who know who they are. People want to be around people who love themselves. Right. So forgive yourself, forgive others, and then make space for gratitude. Right. The next thing is that people don't relate to perfect y'all. People don't relate to perfect. I don't know who told you that you needed to be perfect on social media. I don't know who told you that. They were dumb. Whoever told you that, they were stupid. They'd never grew, they never grew a business. They never grew a social media following, right? And I don't, I, you guys are reading super fans. This is perfect. You guys are reading super fans. Y'all might grow a bunch of passive followers by being perfect. You wanna know how you get super fans? You be messy. You be authentic. You be yourself, right? You be relatable because being perfect isn't how many times have you thought that something was just you like you like I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself on the sword here i was talking to uh brie and megan and jamie lynn this weekend and i said you know i feel uh as though i'm underrated or some something along those lines i said i feel like i don't get enough um time to train. I feel like I bring value and that I don't, I don't feel seen is what I said. And Bree said, Oh my God, me too. But had I not said that, had I not opened up and said, I feel undervalued or I feel not seen, then I wouldn't have known that I wasn't alone. Right. How many times have you been feeling something and you thought you were alone? You thought it was just you. Right. Exactly. I love Maria. It's very, very into this. I love that you're right on my front screen, <laughs> but like I, how many times, right? I think about, I think about all of you coming out again. Like I think about how many times I thought that my thoughts about girls were, were just me. And I thought I was alone. And I thought that nobody else in the world felt like that because anytime I'd bring it up to my friends, they'd be like, no, 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 mm, not, a, not, not I, <laughs> no, don't really want to uh, be in a relationship with a girl. <laughs> you have fun with that. Right. But then when I got around the right people and I started attracting my authentic people and I started attracting who, who needed to be around me, I get me too all the time. I'm never alone. And so people relate to imperfect. So are you willing to fail faster? Are you willing to get up and look stupid, right? The first time that I admitted being an addict, I 
this is crazy. I didn't even feel worthy of the title addict, right? Because I was a very high functioning addict. So I, um, I didn't, I didn't go through rehab. I didn't go through withdrawal, which to be fair, the drugs that I use don't go through withdrawal, but this, that's neither here nor there. The point is I didn't even feel worthy of the title addict. And as soon as I was vulnerable and shared, Hey, I'm this horrible title that I don't even feel worthy of having. So many people were like, Oh my God, me too. Holy crap, me too. I'm like, oh, I'm not alone. Amazing. And so how do you, how do you start once you've gone through the forgiveness and once you've gone into the gratitude stage, then comes the fear, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of success, the fear of losing, the fear of all of that, right? Because you can, you, you know what you need to do. You know you know who you need to be. And like I said, authenticity and vulnerability. And that's scary. That's super scary. But I've done so many things that scared the crap out of me in my life. I came out, I faced addiction. I moved across the country. I left a long-term relationship with somebody I thought I was going to marry. Like I faced sexual trauma. Like I've done a lot of scary things. So how do you do that? Right? How do you move through the fear? How do you walk through fear? And we always, I'm sure like, because this is like a an empire thing, but like, I'm sure your leaders say, uh, follow the puke, right? Follow the puke just means whatever scares you go in that direction. If that live scares you, you should do that. And sometimes it's not that easy, right? You're like, mm, the fear is just a little bit too big. So how do you start walking through fear so you can be more authentic? You need to know what you're walking towards. And when I say that, I mean, before I left that five-year relationship, that's probably the scariest thing I've ever done is leave that five-year narcissistic relationship. It's probably the scariest thing I've ever done. Before I left, it was six months of visualizing my own apartment and my own energy space and living by myself and coming home alone and really just wishing and hoping and praying and whatever you believe in, like just begging. I was on my knees begging for it. And I knew that I was the only one that was going to be able to change my circumstances, just like you. You are the only one that's going to be able to be authentic. You are the only one that's going to be able to change your circumstances. So you can sit there and beg and you can plead, but all you need to do is get that visualization crystal clear. And I'm not a visual person, you guys. I'm not. I need to look at houses if I'm going to be visualizing houses. Like I need to see it. I need to touch it. I need to feel it. I had to drive the G-Wagon before I could even imagine being in it. But when you need something so bad, the visual comes, right? Because it's, it's, you know exactly what's on the other side. And so when that vision becomes so crystal clear, walking through the fear becomes the only opportunity. It becomes, or the only option. It becomes the only option. You have to walk through the fear, right? And so people think that, you know, I just up and made the decision one day to leave my, my ex. No, I sure didn't. I had the conversation with about 62 different people and I had the conversation with myself about 52 different times. And I said, maybe I could do it like this. Maybe I could do it like this. Maybe I could do it like this. I'll tell you, even the night before I left, him and I sat on the couch and had dinner. We ate Chinese food. I remember this, like it was yesterday. We sat on the dinner, we sat on the couch and ate Chinese food. And he said, what's wrong? Something is not right with our relationship. And in my head, I'm like, I want to leave. I want to leave. I want to leave. I want to leave. And what came out of my mouth was nothing. I'm fine. 
the night before I left. Nothing, I'm fine. I'm good. So it's going to take getting to that breaking point, but none of my scary decisions, none of my authenticity has been overnight. And if you think that it has, you're a little delusional. It's okay. We'll work on it. But it's never been overnight. It's always been months and months and months of visualizing exactly what I wanted, right? It's the same thing with being gay. I visualize being with women for months and months, years. Let's really throw ourselves on the sword. Years. Okay. Before I actually did it. Because it was scary. So to get to that authenticity, you have to walk through the fear. But you have to figure out who you are. And not who Brie is. And not who Megan is. And not who, you know, Tina is. And not who Paula is. Who are you? What do you want? What do you stand for? What makes you happy? And I don't want the answer that you're supposed to say. I want what makes you happy. Just like people feel like they're supposed to want a husband and kids in this beautiful house. And if you don't want that, if you want a tiny house, if you want to live in a mobile bus, like if you want to transform a school bus into a mobile, whatever you call it. Oh, Angelique is very excited. <laughs> I think I hit that on the head. Uh, but if you want to like transform a bus into like a mobile home and that you want to travel the world, like say that. Do it. Get very clear on the vision. And you'll walk through fire for it. I promise you, but you got to figure out who you are and you got to figure out what you want.